sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the gram. Stunting you're destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam. Put some respect on my name. Sick like a rain, clicking a bang. Y'all gon' remember the name. Y'all gon' remember the name. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. Now, on today's episode, we've got on a friend of mine. He is an online entrepreneur. He's an author, a copywriter, a freelancer, a world traveler, and this is the one and only Dylan Madden. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, brother. Great to finally meet in person, I think like two days ago. Yep. Uh, we've known each other for what, like three years? Something like that. Yeah. And then we just happened to be in Austin at the exact same time, so thank you for having me. No doubt, man. Happy to have you here, bro. So I've done a brief intro, but for people who are not familiar with you, tell them a little bit about who Dylan Madden is. So Dylan Madden, as of now, like, like you said, world traveler, freelancer, do email marketing specifically. Uh, that's like my main business. Then after that, uh, I've got a separate bucket to the business where I actually show guys how to empower themselves, guys and girls, mm-hmm. how to empower themselves by like getting an actual skill set, monetizing that via social media and turning that into a, a livable income, full-time income, whatever that is to them, whether it's five to $10,000 a month. Sometimes mm-hmm. people need more. Uh, but that's what I do online, offline, uh, I've taken, retired my mom, not paying her a ton, but it's enough to where she doesn't have to worry about working as you, you've met my girl, Mm -hmm. she travels with me. And like, I guess what got me here was like most, most of the people that are probably watching, you're trying to figure out like, am I crazy? Like the normal average day-to-day world doesn't really seem all that it's supposed to be. So like I started asking questions, I started reading, researching, uh, meeting people such as yourself, going, watching YouTube videos, reading blog posts, etc., And you kind of, uh, I found myself on a certain path, just going up and down, quit my job late 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you already know the, the story, but like Craigslist, uh, cleaning business, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that got me uh, at least to where I didn't have to worry about a job. Cause I, I realized I looked around me and I was like, man, all these guys are like, in their 30s i was like early 20s by this point 27 now mm-hmm. i was looking at these guys who are like 33 35 years old and they're looking forward to like i, I guess going playing softball on the weekends mm-hmm. going drinking with the boys it's like man if that's what this is going to get me like I, I i would rather like i would do anything i'd rather be broke than have to do this so mm-hmm. to make a long story short found like boldeterminedcom uh andrew tate tristan tate etc and that kind of put me on a more empowered path of like sovereignty, et cetera. Uh, but it's been about seven years uh, to get to this point. Like a lot of people were like, wow, bro, things happen so quickly. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're an overnight success. And it's like, no, for seven years, we were talking about this the other night mm-hmm. for seven years, I was broke trying to figure things out. I would try this, wouldn't work, try this, wouldn't work. And then in 2019, I was like, you know what? All these people that I looked up to respect me. Obviously, I have something of value Mm -hmm. uh, to offer. And so I just gave myself permission. I doubled down on one skill set. I was naturally good at writing. That's what I tell people. Like, find what you are naturally good at and then just monetize it. Like, for me, it was writing. I tried doing articles. That didn't really work because I was like, if I'm going to hit $10,000 a month, I'm making $100 an article. It's not... It's going to, I'm going to be writing a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then coincidentally met a friend in Jamaica and he introduced me to the whole freelancing world, email marketing. And six months later, lived with the Tates in Romania, uh, went to Dubai, all over Eastern Europe, lived in uh, Qatar. I've been to Dubai as well. Still need to go to Saudi, yeah. uh, explored South America, now living in Mexico and visiting the U.S. right now just to see family. It's been uh, like two and a half years. So I'm going to surprise my mom here in the next week or two. No doubt, man. So yeah. let's go backwards a little bit. Right. And 
what was the path leading up to that point six or seven years ago where you thought, okay, I want to venture out on my own? Right. Tell us a little bit more about the story okay. before that. So before that, I, I've always been like interested in having like some kind of business mm-hmm. uh, because I saw my dad. He was traveling the world. Like He would go to Shanghai for some meeting or he would have a warehouse in Houston or down in Mexico City and I would see him traveling. Okay. And he exposed me to that world. So I'd go to his office and like, and these people like look up to my dad. They respect my dad. Like, it's crazy. Like, they, I don't know. It was just cool. Yeah. So I thought I wanted to go down the corporate path. Uh, I was like, oh, okay, that, that sounds cool. I didn't really know what type of business I'd done some uh, like computer repair for a very short amount of time. I'd done some eBay flipping and it was okay. It was enough to make a little bit of money. I uh, did some not so legal things as well. Uh, but, you know, I just started trying to find my path and then. I think it was the end of high school. Yeah, it was the end of high school going to college. Uh, my dad had basically dedicated his entire life to a company. My godfather, actually, that used to be his company. Okay. And I saw him, like, literally 20 years of my dad's life put into this company, and the company sold. My godfather walked away with a ton of money, bought a new house. Like, he's living the best life. And I'd watch my dad uh, s- still earn some pretty good money, but he literally had to start over like at a company with guys like our age, mm. uh, like talking down to my dad. And I said, watch him build back up. And I was like, ah, I don't know if that's it. Gotcha. So then I went to college and I was learning small business, entrepreneurship and marketing. And one day, I think this was like a month into college, raised my hand, asked the professor, like, what kind, so what kind of businesses have you ran? And he basically told me like 15 years ago, me and a partner and I were going to buy a state farm agency Uh, The deal didn't go through, so I just started teaching. And I was like, Mm -hmm. whoa, wait a second. So you haven't actually had a business. So basically, I just packed my bag, uh, made my parents think I was still going to college. I basically just hung out in the library (laughs) (laughs) for like two to three months. And then they started asking questions like, we don't see really doing homework. We don't, And I I didn't want to lie to them. So I was like, okay, so here's what happened. And my dad, I basically told him, I was like, give me two years to figure my stuff out. And if I don't, I will fully give myself to a job. Uh, because obviously I'm not like qualified to do this. Mm. And luckily uh, I got a small business, like it was a, what was it called? Can't even, th- small engine. I was working at a hardware store. And we, so it was a hardware store, small engine shop. And by coincidence, I was a cashier and this guy would always come to my line. Uh, his name was Chuck. Shout out Chuck. Uh, he was like, uh, basically explained that he had a business and he told me a little bit about it. He invited me to come check it out and he gave me a manager's position for, and I was making like $10 an hour from that job, which at okay. the time was amazing because yeah. uh, I was making like seven twenty-five an hour at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, started working for him. Don't tap on oh, my bad. Okay. Started working for him and I was like, man, this isn't for me. And I started researching like while I was supposed to be working, started researching and finding out about how to make money online mm-hmm. and all these different things. And that was 2014. So that was when I finally started finding something uh, he's no longer writing anymore, but his name is Victor Pride. I, I found out like he's making money just writing blog posts, selling mm-hmm. books. So that kind of opened my brain to like, okay, there's other possibilities. And I started dabbling. I was doing drop shipping. I tried e-com, tried a little bit of everything. Yeah. Uh, but what seemed to work for me the most was offering some kind of service. Uh, so like if you look back, it was connecting people with furniture that they wanted. That was like Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, or like just doing the cleaning business, offering a service. Uh, but the issue with that was it constrained me to that, like, I guess, region, that mm-hmm. neighbor, uh, Charleston, where yeah. I'm from. I wanted to work online. Uh, so that 
meeting amazing people, you, you know, like you just have a conversation with somebody or you connect with somebody on social media mm-hmm. and it just opens your mind to a whole different reality. And that's basically what got me to here in a very summarized version. No doubt. Well, yeah. there's a lot of important lessons there because I mm-hmm. think that now more than ever, mm-hmm. because of what's happened over the past 18 to 20 months, right? I think you have more people than ever realizing just how unstable and insecure and unpredictable mm-hmm. a supposedly secure and predictable and stable job or position right. can be, right? We're living in unprecedented times. I think guys like myself and yourself, we mm-hmm. saw early on, I've been self-employed now for 10 years. I saw early on that what people considered to be safe and yeah. secure was not, didn't look safe and secure to me. Right. It didn't look it. It did on a very surface, mm-hmm. superficial level. Yeah. But when I thought about it more deeply, even as a musician, when I look at artists who are, say, signed with big record labels and things like that, and the way they have their hands tied, mm-hmm. both in terms of the creativity and the business and the finances mm-hmm. and the decision making, I thought, I realized in my early 20s, man, independent in whatever I do, right. independent is going to be the way forward. And now you're having situations where thousands of people not just here in the USA, but yep. you know, maybe millions of people across the world are certainly millions, dozens of millions, maybe hun- probably hundreds of millions across the world right. made unemployed at some point over the past yeah. 18 months. And now you've got these mandates coming in and people are, are outright losing their losing their jobs, being fired, mm-hmm. being terminated, being dismissed people from the military right. to healthcare workers, to firefighters, to people working for corporations. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, some of them may be in those positions for 10, 20, even 30 years yeah. thinking, OK, this is safe. This is stable. And suddenly that's crumbling around yeah. people. So I think this conversation is actually extremely important because I believe that even if people don't go full time with something entrepreneurial or an online business or freelancing or something like that, I believe that everyone should at least have multiple sources of income. 100%. Right? I mean, with myself, I haven't been able to do a live performance for almost two years. All right? So if I were a musician who were purely reliant on, say, touring income and just gig income, I would have been decimated. I would have been completely battered over the past 18 months. I have no idea what I would have done. Mm -hmm. But fortunately, even when that avenue closed off, I still had another eight, nine, 10 ways that I was able to make money during this whole period without having to go to the government or ask Mm -hmm. anyone for support. And I just think everyone should be able to have additional sources of revenue and income. Even like I said, even if it's not a full-time salary, Everyone should have something there that they know that they can do and they've got the skills and they've got the know-how. Yeah. So like the making money online, whenever I got exposed to it, it was the cool thing to do. And I was saying this the other day on a a basically Zoom podcast we were doing, Jeff and I, with the the students were going through the boot camp. And I was like, making money online used to be cool. Now it is literally a necessity. And some of the people from California were telling us like, yeah, we've had our hours cut. Like even when I was traveling Mm -hmm. and I was living in Katora, as an example, best friend of mine. Had his hours cut at his job uh, for his safety. And I, I know a handful of people <laughs> that have literally lost their job because they refused. That's why I retired my mom yes. like, faster than I was planning. And she called me one day and she's like, Dylan, I don't know what to do. The people, the person I work for told me today that if I don't get the, the thing mm-hmm. that uh, I'm going to lose my job. Like, mm-hmm. what, what should I do? And I was like, mom, how much are you making? She told me, I was like, okay, I, I don't know what I'm going to employ you for, but you're taken care of. Don't worry about awesome. it. So, and she told them and she's still technically working for them, but she told them like, I'm not, I refuse to mm-hmm. because she's now empowered yes. because she's taken care of and they backed down. 
She's still working with them. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, still working with them. She called their bluff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they, okay, we don't want to lose them. But mm-hmm. no, I, I talk to people, I wouldn't say every day, but every week. They're losing their jobs. They're having hours cut. So right now is the time. You don't have to go full-time online, but you need to have some kind of extra source of income. Mm-hmm. Like for me, if I, like, let's say I was still working a nine-to-five, I would either be trying to work part-time doing freelancing so you can get one or two clients. You're making a couple grand a month. That's amazing income. Even mm-hmm. when I, I remember when I first started making an extra 500 a month, that was like a huge game changer Street for difference. me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, but you don't even have to do that. You could also be doing flipping. So you literally can go to the craigslist.com. If, if you're in uh, the UK, I think it's Gumtree. Uh, there's Facebook Marketplace. You can get free items that people just want to get rid of. Mm-hmm. Go pick it up. Like There's a couch over there. I could go flip that for a couple hundred bucks. Yep. Profit. Yep. And imagine if you're making an extra 200 bucks a week, 200 bucks a month, whatever. Mm-hmm. If you have an extra source of income, it empowers you. And instead of having to like save your pennies, now you're actually able to put money aside. You're able to invest it and all of that. So I totally agree with that. Like Right now, it's a necessity. Uh, whether you have a skill set or just some extra source of income, like mm. detach yourself as much from the system as possible uh, as, as far as like a nine to five, because if you're leaving all of your cards in their hands, you're basically letting them determine whether your family and you can eat, pay your bills, yep. all that type of stuff. So right now, not a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, right now, you need to start building a skill. You need to be having some extra source of income. Mm-hmm. Even if it's an affiliate, like you could literally promote other like your book. Mm-hmm. If somebody went through one of your books or any of your programs or anything, they could promote that and get an affiliate commission. Yep. So like if they genuinely enjoy, like, the fit, like let's say they get some fitness results, they can start showing off like, look, here's where I was. Here's where I'm at now. Here's how I got there. Boom. They get a commission for that. Mm-hmm. So even if it's something as small as that, you need extra income that does not depend on your job. So I 100% agree with that, bro. No doubt. Yeah. Why do you think people are so resistant to it? Hmm. Oh, I, for me specifically, uh, coming into it, I was like conditioned to the traditional path. Mm-hmm. Like you have to have benefits, so healthcare, all that type of stuff. You have to have a 401k, uh, set amount of pay. You have to go to college. You have to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, I never really fit in, and I, I guess I didn't really relate to people like that. So I started questioning much sooner. But, but I think for the average person, you're, we're so conditioned from birth to follow the safe, traditional path. And I say safe because it's not really safe. You can be fired like that. Yes. Uh, so I, that also, I guess, is scary, maybe. I, not really, but it's scary in the beginning because, mm-hmm. uh, like, for me, something that held me back for a while is I was like, man, this stuff's hard. But it's not actually hard. It's just something brand new. Like, you started a new workout or something. It's awkward. Like I was working out with Alex the other day for like three hours and some of the movements were awkward. Mm-hmm. Now, originally, like a couple of years ago, my brain would have told me, oh, this is hard. This isn't for me. But no, Dylan, you've never done this type of workout before. So just figure it out. And then I started figuring out the patterns. And then he was like, oh, wow, Dylan, great form. That's the exact same with online business. Like mm-hmm. it's going to be hard in the beginning because it's brand new, but you just have to figure it out, figure it out as you go. And then all of a sudden you look back and you're an overnight success. <laughs> no doubt. So for someone who's listening to this right. right now, who's like, this is interesting. This is inspiring. I see what Zuby's doing. I'm hearing about what Dylan is doing. Mm-hmm. How can I get involved this and this? I just don't know what to do. What would be your recommendation? That person who's, I don't know whether they're 20 or 25 or 35 mm-hmm. or 40, and they're either in their place of employment right. or they've recently become unemployed. Mm-hmm or they're under threat of becoming unemployed right. and they're there looking around, probably trying to get another job, but maybe thinking about setting out on their own in some way, what would you be some general advice mm-hmm. that you could give to somebody 
in that position? Yeah. So for me, I, I would tell them this start out like, what are you naturally good at? Mm. For me, I was naturally good at writing. So that's why I went down the freelancing path. You don't have to be a freelancer. That's not the only path. Mm-hmm. I was talking to a guy earlier today and he was like, man, I want to do this freelancing thing, but I just, I'm not really interested. And I started asking him more questions. Come to find out he's interested in real estate. Okay. I was like, oh, just go into that. So start in your general vicinity of like, what are you naturally interested in? Maybe you have a skill set that like people would actually pay for. Mm-hmm. Or I talked, uh, I think it was last week with a guy that's an accountant for a firm. I was like, you could offer that as your own service. Like, look at what they are doing. What's the onboarding process? Uh, how much are they charging? Mm-hmm. Like, figure out the ins and outs of the business and then do that for yourself. Uh, so if you're just getting started and you don't really know what to do, Start with where you are naturally good at. What type of skills do you have? If they need any help, they can DM me. Like, I'm super helpful, available. So just DM me and I can help you. But, like, figure out what am I naturally good at. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be what everybody else is doing. It doesn't have to be drop shipping. It doesn't have to be affiliate marketing, blogging, or any of these other things. What am I naturally good at? And then go from there. Because, like, for me, I tried to do drop shipping because I was like, wow, everybody that's doing drop shipping supposedly is making all this money. That mm-hmm. must be the thing. Then I tried to do this, and I tried to do that, and then I finally was like, "Okay, Dylan, what are you actually good at?" Like, and I wrote it down. It's like oh, I'm good at writing. I can kind of make graphics. I can do some video editing. I can do this, and then I started breaking it down, and I latched onto writing because I by this point I had comicletta.com. I'd been building that, mm-hmm. so I had a proof of work, body of work that I could show. Like, here's all these articles I've wrote. I can write articles for you. And then shout out to Cernovich. He ended up giving me uh, opportunity uh, to write some like adverts and stuff for one of his brands. Okay. So that was a huge opportunity uh, at Lattimore, et cetera. And I just kept building and building and building. And that led me to where I'm at now. Like I don't write articles for people. Now I do emails, mm-hmm. uh, but it started with that. So you need to start with what you're naturally good at. Like if I tried to do web design as an example, yeah. like I can kind of do it, but it would take forever mm-hmm. because I'm not naturally good at it. I don't even care about it. I do enjoy writing. I'm naturally good at writing. Mm-hmm. So that's what I focused on. So that's what I would do if I were them. Yep. Yeah. And I think you touched on a lot of important points there. Mm-hmm. I, I get a lot of people asking me as a creative and as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. you know, what's the way forward and how can you follow your passion in a way that mm-hmm. actually is sustainable and makes you money? And I say, right. if you can find the intersection between three things, if you can find the intersection mm-hmm. between something you enjoy something you're good at mm-hmm. and something that there is an economic demand for, right. then you're golden. That's the, that's the trifecta right there. Right. Um, and a lot of people are unhappy or unsuccessful and or unsuccessful mm-hmm. because they usually only get one of those. Right. Right. Sometimes two. Two can be decent. Mm-hmm. Two's better than one. But if you can really get all three, if you can get that combination of something you like mm-hmm. and you're passionate about and you're good at it, right. that, that, that's important, yeah. right? You could be very passionate about basketball or football <laughs> or swimming, but if you're not any good at it, you're not going to make any money from right. it, uh, not directly anyway. Mm-hmm. And then something that there's a demand for, right? right? You can be passionate about something, but if people are not interested in mm-hmm. paying money for it, then it's not really a business. You can do it as a hobby, but it's never going to be a business. Right. Um, so yeah, if people can find those, the intersection of those three things, and if, if you struggle with it, then you can also develop your skills, yeah. right? If you're not a great writer or you're not a great speaker or you're not great on camera or you're not, you can, you can learn things. Right. We all have our natural talents, but you also don't know necessarily what you're good at mm-hmm. 
until you try. Exactly. Right. <laughs> until you try. I I started rapping when I was 18. Yeah. I didn't know, you know, I, I didn't know I could rap until mm-hmm. I started doing it. And then I was like, oh, okay. I can do this within 10 months. I put out my first album. It sold a couple thousand copies independently. And I was like, okay, cool. Right. That's proof of work that shows. Oh, okay. This isn't just something I can do as a Mm -hmm. hobby. Thousands of people paid me money, you know, a relatively small amount of money, but cool. I just made a few thousand pounds from something I recorded in my dorm room Mm -hmm. at university. And that sets off the light bulb. And then from there, you know that, okay, if a few thousand people here like it, across the world right potentially there's an audience of millions yeah right with whatever you do that's one amazing thing about the internet as well is you're not tied to any geographic location yes and whatever random weird thing you are interested in there are going to be at least hundreds of thousands if not millions of people if not billions of people around the world who are also potentially interested in that so you can reach them and you don't need to reach absolutely everybody. You don't need everybody in the world to mm-hmm. pay you or to be a client or to right. be a customer. You can have a very successful business with a handful of customers or clients or with a couple hundred, perhaps right. with a couple thousand. You don't you don't need to be able to you don't need everybody in the world to pay you. You only need a very not even a percent. You just need right. a fraction of a fraction mm-hmm. of a percent and you can do very well off that. Yeah, like 100 percent like. I totally agree with everything you just said. Another uh, solution to that, like if you can't really find something uh, to monetize like your passion, mm-hmm. for me, I started focusing early on on like I enjoy creating content. I enjoy the conversation. I enjoy meeting people. Mm. And yeah, you can monetize that, but you tend to come from a, a desperate state. Like if you're trying to make money, just selling eBooks. Like I see so many people just try to make a living from selling eBooks. Mm-hmm. So instead, I kind of did the reverse. I built up something like a skill that I could actually monetize. And once I got the money taken care of, now I have all the free time to do the stuff that I'm passionate about. Uh, so for anybody that can't really find a way to monetize your passion, mm-hmm. uh, like obviously you did amazing monetizing your passion, but for other people, like just build a skill set, get some cash coming in to where you don't have to think about the money. Mm-hmm. Then guess what? You can monetize your passion. Like for me, my like Twitter account and all that type of stuff started making money once I actually was making money from something else. Gotcha. And that's what I'm passionate about. I enjoy helping people. I enjoy talking to people and doing that. So I would say like, if you can't find a way to monetize your passion, just focus on building some kind of skill set, some kind of cash flow, get a side hustle, whatever mm-hmm. it is you want to do. Then later you can do the monetization of your passion and turn that into your full-time income. Yes. Yeah. And here's one great, and here I'll tell you guys something where things really shifted for me. So as I said, I've been self-employed now for 10 years. Yeah. But I've been creating, I've been an entrepreneur to some degree for over 15 years. And for me, when stuff really changed was when I stopped actually thinking about directly about making money. Yes. And I started to think about how can I help more people? Mm -hmm. What skills, experiences, talents and abilities do I have? And what product and or service can I offer to people Mm -hmm. that they would pay me for? Right. Right. So all the time people are thinking, how can I make more money, how can I make more money? And while that's one way to think of it, I think a more effective way and a more creative way, which will lead to actual ideas, Mm -hmm. is think what skills and talents and abilities do I have that are in demand? And this this can be things that you totally don't even think about, right? right? Are you a native English speaker? Yeah. (laughs) Right, if you speak English or you speak French or you speak German, if you just speak a language, Mm -hmm. any language, you can be paid to, well, say you speak two languages, you can do translation. Right. 
Um, if you only speak one, you can do and, and you're good at it. Mm. You can um, you can you can teach. Right. You can teach the language. You can do proofreading. Right. You can do um, even if you're not a copywriter yourself, you, you can do editing. You can do amazing things. If you're someone who's into health and fitness, there are billions, billions of people around yes. the world want to get into better shape. Right. Yes. Obesity rates keep going up. More and more people are overweight. People are getting more and more out of shape despite all the information out there. So, you know, I've been training for even longer than I'd been rapping. I was like, hey, I can put together a book. I know how to lose weight. I know how to build muscle. I know how to get stronger. Let me create something that will help people with that. What else can I do? Oh, you know what? Um, I can do public speaking, right? I, right. I, I'm, I'm a rapper already. People clearly like my ideas. My content gets yeah. billions of views around the internet every year. Oh, I can, I can do public speaking. Oh, what else can I do? I can do coaching, yes. right? Everything I've learned, I can teach people how to do it, mm-hmm. right? All of that. And that's something that's valuable. So if you just sit down and you think of all it is that you do, especially if you're someone who's 30 plus, let alone 40 plus, I'm sure you've accumulated a lot of skills and experience over your life. Are you a parent? Maybe you could write something about parenting, Yeah. right? Are you um, in a long, successful marriage? People want relationship advice. Yeah. Everyone, people crave advice. People crave value, health, wealth, happiness, relationships. Think about those topics, anything you can offer people. Mm-hmm. People will... If, if it's good quality and it's unique and it's different, which it will be if you're true to yourself, then the, the, the sky is the limit. And don't think that the market is saturated just because, okay. oh, well, there's already – I get people saying, that, oh, there's already so many <laughs> fitness books out there. Why are you writing another fitness book? It's like, dude, are obesity rates going up or down? Yeah, right? You, up, yeah. No matter – oh, the more people get overweight, the more fitness books are released. Right? right? Um, and you can articulate and put something in a way that despite other content mm-hmm. being out there – the way you put it forward and the way you do it mm-hmm. may just resonate differently with different people. There's 300 million active accounts on Twitter. There's over 2 billion on Facebook. There's a million, millions of YouTube channels. There's a billion plus users on, on Instagram and another billion right. on TikTok. That doesn't mean don't make an account and don't put yourself out there. It doesn't matter. Who cares if there's another, there's millions of right. fitness dudes on Instagram. You do it yourself. You do it differently. Mm-hmm. You talk the way you talk and you offer people something of value, you'll build an audience, you'll build a following, and you can monetize that. It doesn't matter how many podcasts 100%. are out there. It doesn't matter how many YouTube channels are out there. There's only one version of you. 100%. Like, if you start with, like, saturation as an example. Yes. That just proves that there's lots of money being spent in that area. Dude, look at, uh, look at water. I know. Look at the market for bought. Look at the market for anyone. Anyone who thinks, pardon the saturated pun, anyone who thinks a market is saturated, look at bottled water. Literally, something you can get for free, essentially, from your tap, and it is a multi-multi-billion-dollar industry. Every year, they're launching new water brands. Right. It's the same product in a different (laughs) bottle, and people. Stupid as we are, buy, <laughs> buy it up, buy the billions. You go to the airport, they're charging you $5 for a bottle. Yes. Sometimes there'll be a water fountain that you can see and people are still lining up and paying $5 for a bottle of water. Mm-hmm. Even when you get on the plane, they'll give you free water, but human beings are weird. Yeah. So that's, uh, I mean, I've seen people selling air, right? Like yeah. air, I've seen people selling sand. I've, people can... People can sell anything, anything. <laughs> any, any, I'm, I'm not recommending uh, these particular products, but I'm just showing that nothing is saturated. Oh, yeah. Like I, I was talking to a guy. I, I don't know. 
Uh, shout out Kevin if you're watching this. He was telling me some things that he's overcome. Like he's really into fitness. He used to be very overweight, lost weight. Now he's got a really good physique. He's got a happy marriage. Mm. He's taking care of kids. And he does freelancing, and he's doing pretty well with that. He's a copywriter. I was like, bro, what, like, you're already tweeting all the time. Why don't you put together a book on fitness for dads? Yep. Why don't you put together something else, like how to have, like, manage your job, your freelancing, plus your body, and have some kind of community for dads because there are tons of guys out there just like you. So, like, ask yourself, what are some of the problems? Because this is what I think about whenever I'm creating stuff is, like, Dylan Madden, like, two years ago, three years ago, what mm. was he thinking about? What kind of problems was he having? What, what has he overcame? Uh, whenever you kind of zoom out and you think about that, you can monetize things way easier because what are you doing? You're not trying to just get money. Mm -hmm. You're offering value. You're offering solutions. And whenever you detach yourself from the, how can I make $100 today? How can I make $200 today? Like mm -hmm. too many people think about that. How many people can I impact on a day-to-day -day basis? Mm -hmm. Whenever you focus on that, all of a sudden you're going to start making more money, whether it's from working with clients. Like mm -hmm. what type of stuff can I help other businesses with or other individuals with? Mm -hmm. Start with that. Like maybe you get on some guy's Twitter account and he has a bad header. Uh, like, I think that's how Jose became who he is today mm -hmm. was he noticed, hey, I'm pretty good at graphics. So he started making headers uh, for like Ed. Did he, I don't know if he made one for you, but he made it. Mm -hmm. He made headers. This for is like, uh, Jose Rosado. Yeah. Who's shout out. Previously Jose. been on the podcast. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So he made like five or six headers and like they all shouted him out. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden he became who he is today. How did he do it? Well, he looked around. I've got I can make graphics. Yes. I see all these people that need better headers. And he did that. So it could be something as simple as that. And you can turn that into a five to six figure income every single year. Mm -hmm. And another thing that we've implicitly been talking about, mm -hmm. although we haven't stated it explicitly, is getting in touch with people who are doing things that you like and admire, right? Seeing people who are crushing it, seeing people who yeah. are successful in different fields and saying, hey, what can I help you with? Maybe this person needs help, as you said, with a Twitter header, something as simple yes. as graphics. These, this person needs, uh, oh, their websites, you know, they've got dope content, but their website isn't all yes. that great. Maybe they need help with video editing. Maybe they need help with podcast editing. Maybe they need help with uh, YouTube channel thumbnails. Mm -hmm. Maybe they need a copywriter. Maybe they need someone who writes yes. their emails for them, right? So even if you are... This is more um, uh, sort of freelancing, I guess, in a way. Yeah. But if you can put yourself close to people who you know are doing well and whom you admire mm -hmm. and who you like and respect and just say, hey, I offer this. This is something I can do. I've, I've worked with tons of people off of this. I've had people just email me out the blue and say, uh, hey, you know, we we do music videos. Here's a link. Here, I'd love to do. A mu I've been listening to music. I like your music. Right. Here are some music videos I've done before. Mm -hmm. Just complete shot in the dark and i'm like yo your stuff is dope let's shoot a video yeah bang right just just that simple um the answer is not always going to be yes and of course you want to put your best foot forward and make sure you have right. quality content before you reach out to someone especially the more high profile person right. you're reaching out to but everybody needs help this is something in the world every single yes. person needs help the entire economy is simply based off of us offering products and services mm -hmm that we value to each other. Every single time you spend money, you are spending money, apart from taxes maybe, you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're spending money on something that you you need or want, mm -hmm. right? You're, why do you pay for your cell phone bill? Why do you pay for a gym membership? Right. Why do you pay for food? Why do you pay for rent or mortgage mm -hmm. or whatever? Because you value a place to right. live. You value food to eat. You value having internet connection and being able to talk to people on a cell phone, mm -hmm. et cetera. So you're happy to pay an individual or a company yeah. 
to provide that service, which you, I can't do what Vodafone or T-Mobile or Verizon mm. does, right? I don't own all that, right? I can't just build my own airplane, yeah. right? Cool. I'm happy to pay somebody <laughs> to fly me from this city to that city because <laughs> I don't have the capability. Even if you are just someone who, um, every, every job, yeah. every job, you are just offering something of value to people and higher paying jobs are paid more because those are the things that people value more right. economically. Um, and things which scale and it's, it's, it's really that simple. So you can take yourself out of the, you know, if you wanted to become self-employed, mm-hmm. you could even look at, as you said earlier, what you're doing, whatever it is that you're doing right now. Yeah. And in most cases, not in all cases, but in most cases, there's a way to do it in a more independent way. Right. So like, actually just to kind of build upon what you just said, that's how I got started the whole space. Like, mm-hmm. When I got started, I was probably like 275 pounds, had no actual skills. It's just work. I was doing that management job I was telling you about. And then I started working at a car dealership and I was bouncing around. And then I was like, okay, I respect this guy. I respect this guy. I respect this guy. How can I be of value? Mm-hmm. So I started making graphics for them. I would just email it to them. I wouldn't ask for anything. And I think too many people come from a place of ego uh, because you could argue it's the way the culture is today. Like we're just naturally more cocky and confident about ourselves. Mm. Uh, but if you don't have the results, like, what are you confident about? Like, why do you have an ego built around that? So like for me, uh, I'd say lower self-esteem in the beginning, uh, but I started building my self-esteem because I noticed that more experience I get, the more confident I am in my abilities. And I just started putting myself out there. That's how I've done the internships. That's Mm -hmm. how I worked with the Tates. That's how Ed Lattimore, he gave, he wrote the foreword for my book. Mm -hmm. I think I put that thing out like in 2016 or 17. How? Well, I was just a value. I'd reach out to him all the time, offer value. Mm -hmm. I never asked for anything. Yep. You just put yourself out there. You go and meet these people. You treat them like another human being. Yep. And eventually you'll figure stuff out. Like it, I will argue it took me a little longer to figure my stuff out because I was trying to do all these different things. But I realized it's built on value. That's mm. it. So I just I was like, how can I be a value? Oh, I can do your – I'll edit your videos. I can do your podcast. Uh, like Victor, he used to have a podcast way back in the day, and I started editing it. Mm-hmm. Then before I knew it, I was living with him. Mm-hmm. I was doing the lighting. I was helping him with a book launch. I was doing all these different things. Uh, at Lattimore, I helped him with an event. Cernovich helped him with an event. Yep. Ajak helped them with an event. Mm-hmm. I was just being of value. I wasn't necessarily an event manager or anything like that, but I could do it. Yep. I enjoyed it. So I put myself out there. So everybody that's listening to this, to, I 100% agree with what you said. Just reach out to people. Yeah. Be of value. Mm-hmm. Don't expect anything. Mm-hmm. Maybe they tell you no. Yeah. Okay. There's plenty of other people that you admire, you look up to. Who knows? Maybe they'll give you a yes. Mm-hmm. And then that's going to be the yes that changes your life. And like I tell freelancers this all the time. Like, they're, man, I, I'm good at this, but I, I can't get clients. I was like, well, how about this? Work for free. Mm-hmm. When I say free, I don't necessarily mean free. You get a testimonial out of it. But work for one or two people. Get tangible results because mm-hmm. that's what matters is results. And then get a testimonial from them. If you get results for them, why would they not give you a testimonial? Even if it's like a paragraph, yep. that one testimonial or maybe even a shout out. A uh, guy earlier this year, he's shout out to, uh, oh, I can't pronounce his name, but shout out G. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> he's a Brazilian, super awesome guy. He reached out to me. He had like 200 bucks to his name. He's making 20K a month, right? or he had his first 20K a month. I don't know if mm-hmm. it's every single month. But last month was his first 20K month. Mm-hmm. He reached out to me. He was like, hey, man, I don't really know what I can offer. I'm good at graphics. I could write tweets for you. But anything you ever need, just let me know. Mm-hmm. I'm going to buy your course as soon as I save up for it. He bought my course, went through it, never asked for anything. He just kept, like, he would say, hey, I did this, this, and this. I keep hitting a barrier. So I'll give him some game. Boom. Closed his first client. I shouted him out. He got a second client. Nice. And 
he just kept growing and growing and growing, finding ways that he could be of value. Mm-hmm. He started finding people, and I, I think I tweeted this out earlier, 90% of my success at least has been just getting close to people that are already doing something that I want to do, mm-hmm. just being of value, not expecting anything, just being genuine yep. in that approach because you build that relationship, they give you an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a referral. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a shout-out. You don't know, but you're not going to know until you just start putting yourself out there. So that guy is in Brazil making 20K a month or mm-hmm. at least had his first 20K a month. And that's amazing, even in America. But imagine, like, in Brazil, Mm -hmm. that is, like, you're basically rich at that point. And it all started with him sending out a DM to me. And he started reaching out to a good friend of mine, Lawrence King. Mm -hmm. Uh, He got an opportunity from that. And he just kept building and building and building and building. And now he's crushing it. And that's how he started. I think he's, like, 21, 22. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes patience as well. Yes, 100%. um, People always think that things happen or are going to happen faster than they do. Right. Right. For both of us, oh, 100%. it's been the past couple years where we've both reached a level where it's like, oh, wow, okay, we're even able to be sitting here. Yes. <laughs> being, you know, we're recording this right now in Austin, Texas. I'm from the UK. <laughs> You're from South Carolina, yeah. but you've been traveling the world for the past two and a half years. Right whilst making money throughout all that time we're both location independent Mm -hmm. we are cancel proof in the sense that nobody can go you know and and go to our boss and fire us because we're our own bosses we're able to uh you know inspire people across the world and do what we do and just have that not just financial freedom Mm -hmm. but true freedom and sovereignty to the point which it's possible right i don't think anyone in this world unfortunately can be like totally maybe maybe unless you want to go live in live in the woods and grow all your own food and everything then you can be 100 percent self-sustainable but you know we all rely on each other to some degree for sure um but it's like building a little moat around Mm -hmm. yourself and also just in terms of your your flexibility your freedom being able to spend time doing the things you like if you're someone with a family being able to spend more time with your children spend more time with your wife or with your husband or whatever not just be in this constant rat race and grind and grind and sitting in sitting in traffic and doing this and doing that and never having time. I mean, why do people even want wealth? People really want wealth because they want, they want the freedom and the independence. Right. It's not so much just the money they want. It's that it allows them to Breeze. be more free. Yeah. <laughs> be more secure and not just be being slammed and trying to stay afloat all the time. Right. Um, and, and I understand that cause I was simply trying to stay afloat for the first eight years yeah. of, uh, of myself being self-employed. But if you persist with it and you persevere and importantly, and we haven't talked about this mm-hmm. is being kind. Yes. Kindness is so underrated. I think there's this weird myth out there, which has been around for decades, which is that you have to be an a-hole. Yeah. To, to get ahead. Right. Ruthless. You, yeah. You have to be ruthless. <laughs> you have to be cutthroat. You have to, it, it, you know, and sure, there might be anomalies out there in the world in different sectors who mm-hmm. are like that, you know, right. whether it's in politics or in media or in certain uh, corporations, whatever mm-hmm. lawyers who, you know, maybe they've been cutthroat and, you know, it's sort of worked out for them in the financial sense. Yeah. But the energy you put out there, you know, I, I, I don't know. Karma is true in some sense, yeah. right? I don't know whether it's this sort of like mystical supernatural force, but just in terms of like human beings are reciprocal right. and we have memories and we like people who treat us well and who right. don't step on us 
and who don't bully us mm-hmm. and who don't attack us. And if you are kind to people online and offline and you're not a jerk and you're not just angry all the time and abrasive right. and someone who people don't like being around, that in itself is so powerful. So many opportunities will come to you just from being kind and decent yes. and friendly and helpful and not trying to use people and mm-hmm. not trying to manipulate people. All of that, like so much amazing stuff has come into my life and so many amazing people right. just from me being, you know, just trying to be not, not even trying to be a decent human being, just, just being, just a being de- yeah, just, just, yeah, just being genuine <laughs> and being kind and not, you know, just I'm in a position where I could just be like, I'm just going to attack everybody I disagree with, or I'm yeah. going to insult this person. I'm going to just go crazy on Twitter. And I'm, but it's like, why? Like, yeah. not only is it wrong to do from an ethical and a moral perspective, mm-hmm. but also it's just like, even from a, from a business perspective, it's, it's dumb. Yeah, it burns bridges. It's dumb. You're just, bur- yeah, you're just burning unnecessary, unnecessary bridges, right? right. People who could potentially become a future supporter or a mm-hmm. customer or a fan or a business partner or, or whatever it might, whatever right. it may be. Um, it's just unnecessary. So that's another key part. I think kindness is, is actually underrated. I, I I've said before that niceness is overrated and kindness is underrated. Yeah. When I say niceness, I mean like just not being assertive at all and right. sort of allowing people to walk over you and never right. sticking up for yourself and whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. When, when I say kindness, I just mean genuine, genuine like win-win, kindness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, just treating people well. So that's something that I think is important to mention as well. Oh yeah. Like a hundred percent. You should just be kind. You don't have to, like you said, you don't have to be nice. You don't have to be an a-hole. You don't have to be any of that. Like I just think back to like, cause uh, at your event yesterday, some mm-hmm. guy came up to me and said, yo man, I've been following you for four years. Thank you so much for responding to your DMS. And that kind of always weirds me out. Like people aren't used to, I guess, being responded to. No. Like for me, I remember being in that position, mm-hmm. like looking up to Ed Lattimore or Cortez or the Tates, and they took the time to respond to me at that time. And that just blew my mind. Yeah. And like, I just showed value and I was genuine with them. And I think they could pick up on that. I'm sure you picked up on that. Cause you actually responded to one of my DMS years yep. ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if you're just kind and genuine and you realize that you don't, it can be win-win. It doesn't always have to be win-lose. Exactly. I think people are too conditioned to think that way. Uh-huh. But if you just win-win, you're kind, people are going to give you the time of day. They're going to give you an opportunity. Like I could list off, I could talk for two hours about all the opportunities I've been given just by no other reason other than just being kind and genuine yeah. because people really do pick up on that energy. And I I went through a weird period. Uh, this is probably like 2017, I think. And it wasn't like online or anything. It was just offline. I started becoming more like, man, nothing's working. I, I was going through this like down cycle. Mm-hmm. And I started putting that energy out. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Stuff started happening, random stuff. Like my car would break down. Oh, I couldn't man. get to a property. And then I have to pay a grand or two just to get it fixed. And my in, the head gasket of my car blew one time because I was angry. Mm. And I was speeding. I was like that. <laughs> and it blew. I had to pay for that too. But then... I guess that woke me up as I said on Twitter, wake up now. Mm. I started just putting that good energy out and then things started happening before I knew it. Uh, Chris from Gullick and loser. I don't know what he's doing now, but he gave me an opportunity to be able to get an internship and that mm. internship opened the doors to other things and other things. And it just kept going and going. And I just kept approaching people and putting positive energy out. I'm not perfect. Sometimes I feel down or moody, but nine times out of 10, I just put good energy out 
and good energy comes back to me because the more I empower myself and I empower other people, it's like a ripple effect basically. And mm-hmm. it just keeps going and going and going. And even there's some people that reached out to me like early on that I was kind to them. And then a year or so later, I end up get, getting a favor from them because they built themselves up mm-hmm. and they give me a favor. Maybe of it's course. a shout out or a referral or something. Mm-hmm. So the energy you're putting out, if you're just kind, you don't, have, once again, you don't have to be nice or whatever. Just yeah. be assertive. When I say, kind, when I say, yeah, it's I, think come it's, back. I think it's important. Yeah. Like when, when I say it's nice there, you know, and we're saying like, you know, when we're saying not being nice, we don't mean like, don't be, because yeah. <laughs> so, some people use ni- nice and kind as synonyms. Yeah. When, when, I, when I'm saying nice, I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with being n- nice by the sort of proper definition. I just mean, like, as I said before, allowing people to use you yeah. or never asserting yourself. Right. Always being afraid to rock the boat, always being afraid of right. all conflict, even when you should, you know, I don't recommend people seek conflict, but if you're so conflict averse mm-hmm. that you never are willing to put your foot down and say no when someone is pushing your boundaries or whatever, right. and you're nice, inverted commas, in that regard, mm-hmm. then people people walk over you and yeah. don't respect you. Oh, yeah. Like, I used to be definitely like 100% a nice guy, and then mm-hmm. I started realizing that by me being so nice and letting people walk over me, I couldn't give the best of myself. Exactly. So I started learning to say no. Mm-hmm. And like, it sounds silly saying that out loud, but like, <laughs> it's true. Like there are a lot of people that you're, you've been, I guess maybe it's your upbringing. I know for me, it was definitely my upbringing. I was more, I was a little too nice and I would let people walk over me. Uh, but through experience, I started learning that the more assertive I was, and I was just kind. Mm-hmm. I could like, I used to be that guy that if you, like, if I told you I was going to like be somewhere at a certain time and I didn't, or you asked me to be somewhere at a certain time, and I had something going on, I would just drop everything and be there, mm-hmm. uh, which that has helped me a couple times, mm-hmm. but I used to be that way for like nonsense. Yes. And I finally just started saying, no, like I've got stuff to do. Mm-hmm. I've got a bigger purpose. I've got a bigger mission. And I would argue that, like, if you are too nice, you haven't quite found your mission. Cause for me, once I figured out what my mission was in life, that gave me something, I don't know, something to latch onto. And I mm-hmm. started like, uh, being able to tell people, no, I, I can't go out right now because I've got this to do. Yep. Uh, for me, it was, initially it was my blog. Uh, and then from there it started evolving into other things as far as my mission goes. So like, if you find yourself being too nice and you're not assertive, you haven't quite found a mission uh, that's bigger than you. Because mm. once you find something that that's why a lot of people believe in God, et cetera. I'm, I believe in God as well. When you find something that's bigger than you, it empowers you. Mm. And all of a sudden you can be more assertive and, through experience and as you start meeting other amazing people, you realize, hey, being kind isn't weak. All I've got to do is just be genuine and assertive, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. What is your mission in life? So my mission in life really is just to inspire other people, specifically like friends and family. I want to be able to have like my blog and Twitter and all that and give that to my kids, be like, yo, this is the blueprint. Uh, but like for me growing up, I was looking for like a, a hero type of character mm. uh, and other people. And then I eventually became my own hero. So I, I want to be that way for other people is like really just show them what's possible. Like I, I used to be 275 pounds, broke, complete loser. Yep. Uh, but then I just started taking control. I started with fitness originally. I used to have a really bad stutter. Like it's probably not obvious now, but I used to have a really bad stutter. Mm. Uh, so for like 30 days, so anybody wants to speak better because people are like, oh, dude, you have an awesome voice. I literally did this for 30 days only. For 30 days, I read an entire chapter, and I recorded it, and I would speak in different tonalities, raise my voice, lower my voice, have different accents, and then I would listen to how my voice was, and I discovered my stutter came from forgetting to breathe. So I would, oh. I would be speaking to somebody, and I guess I would get anxious, and I would forget to breathe, and then I would start stuttering, which mm. would make it even worse, and I amplified it. 
so just different things like that. Like I really enjoy overcoming my own shortcomings yes. and then showing people what's possible. And that's really, I guess, my mission at this point in my life. I'm sure as I get older and all that, my mission will evolve. Uh, but that's definitely where I'm at now is just like showing my mom, empowering her, showing my girl, showing friends around me, people like followers, readers, et cetera, showing them what is possible. If you just believe in yourself, if you just believe in yourself every day, you show up every day, you approach people with good energy, you can change your life, like regardless of where you're at. Like I, I've worked like minimum wage jobs. I've worked good jobs, making $10 an hour, $16 an hour. I've cleaned mm-hmm. trash, traveling the world now. Like if you just believe in yourself, if you're patient and you understand that things aren't going to happen overnight, mm-hmm. you, it's just, you have to keep putting in the work, putting in the work. And uh, we kind of talked about this the other day, but like something that really helped me was understanding God was in control. Uh, like before I felt like I had to control it and force everything. Mm-hmm. I was a ball of like worry and anxiety. Uh, but then I, I started developing more of a personal relationship with that and just putting that in his hands and my worry and anxiety went away. And like, that's really, I guess you could say my mission at this point is just showing people what is possible. If you just believe in yourself and show up every day, that's, that's the secret, I guess you could say. Yeah, man. Yeah. And you've been traveling a lot over the last few years. Right. So what have you learned through that? So early on, I definitely had a very, I guess, Americanized mindset about the world. I thought the world outside of the U S was dangerous and they didn't have everything we had and all of that. Uh, but like I've lived in Eastern Europe, I didn't really go too far West and to the Western Europe area, but mm-hmm. Eastern Europe, uh, I stayed Dubai for about a month or so lived in Qatar, lived in South America. And like, it really just opened my mind to like, just, wow, there's so much opportunity out here. Like, yeah, America is an amazing country. Mm-hmm. Like coming back, I'm really grateful. Like I've come back because I've got a completely different perception. But like, there's amazing people outside of the U.S. There's amazing things, and more importantly, you don't have to stay in your home country. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to stay in your home country. More than likely, there's another country that has everything you claim to like so much about America. Mm-hmm. They have that, but more of the stuff that you actually like. Maybe mm-hmm. you like more like of the tropical areas. Well, there's tons of countries out there that you could go. Uh, so for the biggest thing, I guess for me, is just expanding my mind that you don't have to stay in that same location. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to stay in the same country. There are so many different realities out there and amazing people. Like I've got friends all over the world now mm-hmm. uh, that we have the same thinking. Maybe we don't speak the same language exactly, but we figure it out. Uh, so I guess just traveling the world has really expanded my mind as far as like what's possible uh, and things like that. Any yeah, favorite yeah. places? What's that? Any favorite places or cities? So Qatar was 100% like my favorite place. Mm. Like it was like America, but because you're an American or you could even say just Westerner in general, you have a slightly different status, you could say. Uh, But like I really enjoyed it because it was a little pricey, but not too pricey. Like Dubai was at the time for me, it was like way out of my price range. Mm. Uh, Qatar, I was probably spending two to three K a month for a decent living. Uh, awesome people. They're very welcoming. They have every possible, like they've got people from the West. They've got people from India, Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Qatar is definitely my favorite place. Cause it's like luxurious, really good energy there. Tons of opportunity. Uh, that would probably be my favorite country. Uh, as far as like my nostalgic country would be Georgia. Uh, okay. the country of Georgia was like amazing. That's where wine was created. I told you the story about mm-hmm. when they sent my passport, I started walking up there. Wait, wait, wait. And they gave me a bottle, a small bottle of wine. I was like, <laughs> okay, that's cool. It's kind of cool. weird, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, definitely. I would say it's hard to like say one favorite country, yeah, but like yeah. Qatar, number one, after that would probably be Georgia. And third would be Mexico, which is where I'm living now. Mm-hmm. And those are three countries that, um, certainly the first two, maybe more Americans have been to Mexico, but right. A lot of people are not familiar 
or don't know much about Qatar or Georgia. Some, a lot of people, some people don't even know Georgia exists. Actually, now, now that you're saying that, whenever I first got to Qatar, and it's, I'm laughing at myself now, I, I think it was because of like certain things in the news that we were told about the Middle East. Mm-hmm. I legitimately, when I got there, was anxious. Like, okay. I saw the guys in the thobe and they were shouting at people like, get in line, get in. I was like, oh my God, I don't like this. And then I, I got, I checked into the hotel because I had to figure out like an apartment. So I was at a hotel and the call to worship came on and I was like, oh God, oh, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about this. Oh yeah. man. Uh, so like living there, I ended up liking it. And I was like, wow, it's okay. And it expanded my mind. Like mm. so much of the narratives that were told aren't true. Yes. <laughs> so I'm super grateful I got to actually live in Qatar because I realized like they're they're awesome people. We, mm. it was funny. They were talking, they were asking me about some of the like red pill stuff that I, I didn't really get too <laughs> deep into, but my yeah. friend, uh, was a cattery. who's was like, like, why is it so like mind blowing to you guys? Like, it's just common sense to us over here. And I was like, I know, bro. So I know. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm super grateful. I got to live in Qatar cause that expanded my mind and, uh, helped me understand that I guess the narratives, a lot, a lot of us have been told just aren't true. <laughs> It also gives you a good framing for the USA as well. Yes. Right? Because a lot of times, one big problem with people growing up in one place and Mm -hmm. never leaving it, whether it's a city or a country, even if it's a big country like the USA, is you don't have any real world reference points. Yes. You can talk to people from elsewhere. You can see things on the news. You can even read books. But there's no true substitute for going somewhere and just experiencing it and being there for a while talking to people, mm-hmm. soaking it in. And then even if you decide that you prefer where you're from, right. you then at least have a reference yes. point and you are also more appreciative of those things. Right. Right. A lot of times when you get Americans who are all like, oh, the USA is terrible. The USA is this, is bad. It's often people who haven't been anywhere else. Right. Right. And or also you also get the opposite where people are overly arrogant and cocky about their country mm-hmm. again sort of based on myths and narratives yeah. and again they have no real reference point i mean if you're going to say that a city let alone a country <laughs> is like you know the best or the worst or whatever you should probably have been to at least a dozen or a couple dozen yes. other places so that you can at least know what you're basing that off of right yeah well, I, I will say this, like since coming back to the States, like I'm so much more grateful for yes. like, it, it's amazing here, like the convenience, uh, just to give you an example, when I was living in Bogota, I would have to go to a store to get this and I'd have to go to another store to get that item and this item and that in America, you and I could go down the street right now to a grocery store and we could go to the pharmacy, mm-hmm. the bakery, the meat department, we can do all of that. Can even get close. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then come straight back. So like living abroad it made me like now that i'm actually back it made me realize how good we actually do have it and uh-huh. it's not as bad as i started to think as i was traveling and stuff or another example is mexico i never like i literally i'm never going to mexico like as you hear stories cartels and all this other stuff and then i went there it's amazing it's it actually reminded me a lot about america maybe that's why i like it so much mm. uh but it's still got the abroad feel to it uh, so, like, you have to experience things before you can start saying stuff. Because, like, people tell me, oh, yeah, don't go to Mexico because of this, 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 and this. Those same people have been living basically in the same, like, state their entire life. Mm-hmm. Their opinion means nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not just about travel. It's about, like, just other countries as well as far as, like, the governments and stuff. Like, yeah. you're told a certain narrative. And a lot of the time, it's not based in reality at all. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to push something uh, to create another narrative that is 
just pushes that agenda. So you have to leave your country. And I tell people this all the time, like just go for a month mm-hmm. or even two weeks. If you can only do, do it for two weeks, mm-hmm. go to Mexico for two weeks, go to Colombia for two weeks, go to Qatar for two weeks, Morocco, any of these places and see it with your own eyes. Because until you see it with your own eyes, you taste the food, you feel their air on your skin. Like you really can't have an actual opinion on whether your country is the best or this country is the best, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can have one. It just won't be informed. Exactly. No doubt. Dylan, bro, uh, where can people find you online? Uh, well, the best place to be at Moneybag Lives, uh, obviously on Twitter, or you can go to comandcollecta.com. I've got a ton of articles on there. I don't really populate it with new articles, but the best is 100% going to be Twitter at Moneybag Lives. Awesome. Dylan Madden, thanks for coming on the show, awesome, bro. Awesome, bro. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.